Hi, and welcome to the User Guide to Humans podcast series. This is episode five, Understanding the Persona Archetypes. And today we're doing the birds, the seven birds, Erica. And because there's seven, we're not going to go into quite as much depth as we did with the animals, but there's so many resources out there. We can only do the tip of the iceberg. But we ended the last episode saying, You've got the tripod of the animals as grounding in how you operate in life, but your meaning of life and your purpose has got to be how your birds fly and where they fly to. We were just discussing, be a bit a bit of fun, wouldn't it, to name the bird genius and what their purposes are? I think so. I think so. I think that'll be really, really fun. So. Let's name all the seven birds that we have. We have swans, ravens, owls, peacocks, parrots, nightingales, and sparrows. And I have found doing workshops with people that even just hearing the names of the birds, people start to resonate and feel like, oh, I feel like I might be this one. I thought I might be that one. And I know from experience as a, as a primary beaver and someone who can be a bit neutral and a bit dismissive about things, do not let the lovely names and the easygoing nature of, of birds fool you. These personas are complex and deep and shadow and light. They, um, they have a lot that they represent and I can't wait to get into each and every one. Great. All righty. And we should do a little bit of history too, don't you think, just to give a context of where they come from, because the history names then just what their genius is. So, and that's what I'd like to look at in this podcast today. We have other podcasts out there and other books and resources that can show you what you need to tackle to get them to this place. But let's do the light stuff, but we need to have the history for the context. So swans, swans are very ancient, very old, and they actually represent the First Nations people and the Indigenous cultures of our world. So you can imagine there's in swans there is a natural love of nature. It's a very physical archetype. They love being physically fit. They love being outdoors. They want a simple life. Self-sufficiency really matters. They're independent. They are will want to restore nature. They're, they're a good Samaritan, actually, as well. I'm talking light now, swans, because I know that you can be extremely pessimistic and cynical if I've still got you to hear. I'm very, very excited about that, but I do get you and understand you. Uh, I speak swan fluently. I've got a PhD in swan, so I really can speak it. Swans love nature. They love um, mentoring. They love community. They will be naturally drawn to helping the underdogs or those who had a pretty bloody rough start in life where the odds are against them. They're the opposite of the lions. They're very strong. They're very strong. So they can have a warrior in energy to them as well as a, a quieter maternal wanting to nurture Mother Earth, if you like, energy. They can have both of those things, but they are community-focused, like find my tribe and they do not like ostentation. They do not like that exceptional privilege. They are totally against that. But when they are connected through sport, through music, through community, through doing volunteer services, maybe they do, you know, volunteer bushfire fighting or camps for kids with cancer or they are, when they start including themselves in their community to offer their mentoring support, they have extraordinary wisdom. 
that they can be very reluctant to share, but it's gold. And they can really be that firm hand that helps those who've had a tough time get them through supportively without judgment through to the other side and finding their place. It's about finding your place with Swan, coming home, finding your place, belonging. Would you agree, Erica? I would. I would. I'd say you can you can spot a swan quite quickly. Anyone who's who's very into fitness and strength and being in good shape, not to look good, but to be capable, to always be able to, to jump in to help, whether it is, like you said, in, in fire and emergency services volunteering, whether it's to build a fence for the neighbour, whether it's for, to play rugby for your local rugby club, they're extremely capable and very kind-hearted when it comes to their brothers in arms um you know they 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 go together in groups really well and in fact i would argue that they sometimes do better in groups than they do in one-on-one relationships oh, they definitely do and they're extraordinarily loyal particularly to their mates to their friends uh again one-on-one relationships are tricky and there's lots of really good reasons from history as to why that is and that's for down the road So they can also be very interested in having, knowing where things come from, like organic food. I'm talking food here, food matters. They either have the worst diets, Erica. I'm eating three veg in my my sauce every night. Don't give me any of that foreign crap. Don't want that. They can be very into that way. Or they can have this moment of, I have organic veggies. I like to be self-sufficient, have my organic stuff, and I only eat this. And they're very conscious of what they put into their body so the food and fitness comes together there and it can be like all those tv shows we see river cottage and where people are doing self-sufficient little farms in country areas and they're providing stuff and that could be a passion for swans to have that and they definitely want to break free of the rat race they don't Mm -hmm. they like to move at a slow pace their pace their way and their values are not the same as the rest of the rat race don't like school school was never really much for them because that what they're genius at is not what we're taught at school. So that natural Indigenous wisdom about life, uh, that there was not a place for that. And they, so they were misunderstood and they've got a natural rebellious streak inside of them against authority and a huge mistrust of authority and being told what to do. And so they can be very big rebels and anti-authoritarian. But they, and hermits and isolated, but in the light, they are just the heart and soul of a community. And when the guy next door's broken his leg, they all turn up with their tractors and say, we'll do your harvest for you, mate, even though we've got our own to do. Well, they're part of the sea rescue. The more swans include themselves, the more we see how beautiful their hearts are and what a difference they make. How? Let's quickly identify what a swan and child might look like before we move on to the next bird. Pessimistic. Don't get my hopes up. Oh, they'll only be shattered. There's no point. What's the point? Very mistrusting overly private or extraordinarily private no one's to know what's going on with me very prickly and reactive perceiving that they're being exploited or ambushed or being minimized disrespected there's a word respect being taken advantage of tight with money uh, not wanting to spend a thing tight sharing of themselves and emotionally talking they can be very mute and shut down and angry. Can be the de- angry or depressed is the default setting, and then mute. And then it's very hard to reach swans. And it feels for them like that's my safe place, but it's very destructive to themselves and relationships. So, in listening to this podcast, if if any of these birds 
um, align with you or if you feel connected. There are loads of resources on the website. There's uh, one hour long podcasts done on each of the personas. Again, there's the um, user guide to humans book that you can download and read in your own time. And there's free resources as well on the website, as well as on the Facebook page. So if, if they resonate with you, go learn more about them because once you can integrate your birds, you are so well on your way for growth and healing you'll be amazed yes moving on to um bird number two this is raven uh, i know raven holds a special place in your heart can you tell me about raven so funny because i'm a primary raven we've outed you as a primary beaver i'm a primary raven raven is a very misunderstood persona and has not been very welcome in this era and this times it's actually a primal mother like a raging fierce psychic mother figure that wants to take on the patriarchy and burn them to the ground. I don't know if that's too much. See, straight away, I start speaking raven and I think I'm going to lose everyone now. <laughs> so the raven is really interested in the unconscious. It's really interested in the depths of our psyches, understanding us, connecting us all to the collective unconscious. It's bringing what is unconscious, which is 97%, starting to illuminate that and understand our motivations. It's understanding shadow, dark, um, self-sabotage, fear, agendas, being able to see and understand exactly what makes us tick and seeing the world more in symbolic terms, which is what the personas represent really. This, the lion is a symbol that we all recognise. We recognise a beaver. We recognise a peacock. We recognise a sparrow. So we're talking symbolically, which means we're getting out of just the head. We're starting to move into things that our soul already knows. All of you know the personas. Every single one of you know these energies. It just hadn't been pointed out to you. And as I'm naming these energies and presenting them to you, your soul is recognising them, particularly the ones that you have. And that excites your soul. It's like, oh, finally, finally, I'm going to be heard and seen. Ravens are here um, as mental guides to help illuminate that which is unconscious and make sense of life. They're deep philosophers about the. We're only interested in the deep stuff, the meaning of life, purpose of life, but we're passionately concerned with fate and destiny, making sense of fate and pain and trauma, the reasons behind it, what that's all about, where it's leading us to come home to soul. This is my particular Raven philosophy, which other Ravens may share, but they may have a different take and a different philosophy, but they will be philosophers, whatever that might be. This is my Raven philosophy, which is what I've tried to create. It's been my life's work, will be my life's work. I'll have another insight on my deathbed, Erica, and my Raven goes, oh, I've just realised this. Someone write it down before I die. Quick, make sure they get it all. That's my great terror that I haven't given you all what my Raven's been downloading and understanding on a psychic intuitive level. They have extraordinary mystical natural intelligence, which the beaver, our natural neutral world goes, what the fuck is that? You're a raving lunatic. We're also very angry. We're full of hatred for self and for fuckwits in this world. People who are unable to comprehend the levels that we go to, who don't even ask the questions, let alone understand that there are all these other dimensions, those who are very literal, black and white about what's here and now, that's not, for a raven, that's not what life's about. It's all about the intangible, what's unseen and trying to bring it through. We meant to mention a long time ago, Erica, about Jung, and I am not a Jungian 
therapist. I'm not trained in Jungian work at all. But when I was doing my psychology degree and we got three hours on Jung, they were the greatest three hours of my entire four years of psychology, let me tell you, without a doubt. And the, the areas that ravens want to study, where they go, where Jung went to study and what he created, that's where my raven naturally went, even though I didn't read anything of him until after I'd finished writing the personas. So those are the, the areas. It's the psyche. It's the masculine, feminine, neutral. It's the child, adult, elder. It's light and shadow. It's archetypes. It's understanding the primal energies underneath us. Have I gone on for too long? See, this is a raven fear. I'm going to be put on the stake and I'm going to be burnt on the cross like I have been many times before, potentially. That's raven history where they were the dark witch that people feared. Everyone went to for healing and to, to cope with the crisis. But then if that child down the road died, and you know, of an illness, it must have been that witch go and burn her, drown her, put her at the stake. That's well, the I, think, I think you're speaking as a raven who's who's known this language and and spoken it fluently for the last 30 years. I remember when I did the quest and I was doing my map, I I uh, resonated really strongly with Raven, but I really struggled to place it in the map because I think a lot of us, if you have Raven in your map. It would have come up as an issue for you in your life. It's often been neglected and repressed and harshly shut down by a lot of other personas. And it's it's one that feels extremely unlovable and rejected from the start. It's a really hard archetype to, to integrate because it hasn't been okay. It's um, as if you're trying to find if Raven's in your map, if it's if if you if you find things that align with you, but you're not quite sure what what traits in a raven who who doesn't know this language, what would might they know about themselves? Is it an interest in philosophy and self-development? It's bigger than that, because there's a lot of personas that could be interested in self-development. We're not too interested in the positive, let's do our affirmations, may I say. Burn them in the bin is what I would say. That's my raven speaking now. So if you have raven, then you have battled with intense rage every week of your life, if not daily, if not all day. And this rage but is directed towards people who don't understand? This rage is directed towards people who are so on the wrong page, who just don't understand things. Ravens feel like they can understand everyone and they get what makes them tick. And we can see through people. And we expose people publicly in child. Like I can see that you are fucked in this way, Erica. And if you're throwing ears and graces around, watch me. I'm going to say something in public that shows that that's what's going on underneath. And people are so shocked mm -hmm. by how cruel ravens can be. But what they're trying to do, we're saying, please take me seriously. I do know stuff. I do, I can see, I do know. No one can see and understand a raven except another raven. Mm. And we felt so alone. The depth of loneliness in raven, raven is epic. So they wear a mask of rage and intolerance and scathing scorn towards other people. So if, if you can't relate to that, you do not have raven. This is an issue that nearly kills us. Our self-hatred of how dark and we are the most unlovable people on the planet. If you haven't faced that, you don't have raven. There are people in who have other personas who really think they're ravens and they're utterly delusional because they're sweet, they're kind, they like new agey spiritual things, they like positive positivity, they're very kind to people. Yes, they can go off every now and then, but this is not raven at all. They can both be psychic. So we're not necessarily 
able to hear, you know, from people on the other side. There are people who are psychics who can hear when a, a person has passed and they get messages from them. That's not the raven stuff. The raven is really looking at the global perspective of life. It's downloading information that comes from the soul. It's a mystical intelligence. And a raven will be speaking and working as a, with other people, potentially writing, definitely writers, and, and bringing in and will speak and go, I didn't know that. Where did that come from? I, I, how did that? What is that? Because there's an ability of a raven to tap into the collective unconscious to wisdom. They live in the underworld with many dark nights of the souls and really tough challenges. And we're quite happy there. But that's where the wisdom is, is in the pain. I think another way to identify a raven is as someone who's often approached for advice yes. at any age. From, from the age of five. What should I do here? Why do I do this? And somehow a raven knows. There is this extraordinary emotional and mystical intelligence. Now, there's a spiritual arrogance here and impatience and wanting to just write people off. And it's very hard to get past the rage and integrate it into the passion for being the primal mother to help people find their destiny and what they're here for. The raven at its core is really wanting our world to be the best world it can be to change consciousness from child to adult, to actually bring people to be contributing their threads into the world. So I wrote this language. Well, that's great, isn't it? Lovely. But my deeper raven passion is, for fuck's sake, don't disappoint me. You need to get out, know who you are, now go and contribute it because there's no time to waste. More and more and more of us have to come from adult with a feminine focus and make our difference in our little world, our little communities. Because this is what Ravens came to do. And we've been trying to pull our world from a very abusive, toxic, masculine, patriarchal world into one that is very unconditionally loving of our brokenness. And Ravens have to learn to love their brokenness and integrate that first. And then they are able to do it with others. We've spent a decent time going through Raven, which I think is, is necessary because it's a very complex bird. And oh. It is one, like I said earlier, it can be really hard to identify and integrate. Can I just say that people who don't have Raven will have just listened to that and gone, what on earth is she talking about? They'll just be, oh, my God, really? And that's completely okay. That's completely okay. Um, those without Raven find Raven language extraordinarily difficult to get their heads around. So don't worry about that. It's just telling you I'm not a raven. Whereas the ravens out there who felt so alone and so full of self-condemnation for so long, they're just going to be so relieved. My God, there is a place for me. And integrating raven is very important now. And that that sense, I have, I have raven in my top three. And that sense of unlovability because you do feel you feel dark and you feel ugly and you feel rejected and misunderstood and that sense of unlovability sticks with you for a long time and yes yes I have carried that all my life I can't tell you how ugly I've always believed myself to be the darkest ugliest worst version of humanity ever it's a very hard road, Raven, to come through. I get it all now. I see, I see the reason behind everything. I see the purpose. I see the magic of how those threads all came together. My fate led me to be able to write this. I'm very grateful for all of it. But, my God, it's not a journey for the lighthearted or the faint-hearted, I tell you. 
but they will love this language. I can tell you that Ravens will have listened to this and listened to the earlier podcasts and gone, this is different. I've been waiting for this. This is what I went to university to learn psychology for, and I can't tell you. I do not have enough adjectives to tell you how deeply disappointed and what a waste of time studying psychology was for me. Now, that's a long time ago. This is over 30 years ago. So fair enough. Maybe it's improved. Talk about kindergarten level. Talk about absolutely ridiculously basic surface stuff. I thought I was going to learn about what made people tick their psyche, the soul work, which is what we need because there's an absolute absence epidemic of soul sickness and pain in our world. Well, of course, university is the wrong place to go and learn that. So I had to write it myself, Erica. All Moving right. on. Moving Good. on. To a persona you've just deeply offended. Um, <laughs> this- Sorry, darlings. And you don't like me calling you darling, do you? That's a bit familiar. That's a bit friendly to start off talking to now. I need to hold back a bit and show respect. Have I shown enough intellect for you yet? Do I have a brain worth listening to? Or should I be put in the bin as I, I, I'm not sure about her credibility, really? What are her degrees again? What, what has she got? Should I listen? Should, is she credible? So... Hello, owls. You've got owl, Erica. I do. It's, it's my secret dream. And secret dream, by the way, if you remember from the mapping podcast, is number five. So it's in my bottom three. So it's, it's, it's not as strong as I would love it to be. Because it's my secret dream for a long time, I wanted it to be my primary persona because yeah. I did not want to be a beaver. I wanted to be an intelligent Al that was better than everybody else and knew everything and had an answer for everything but it turns out I have Al in five so this is why I have started three separate degrees and finished none yeah yeah so Al's are incredibly academically able and gifted and curious they love learning they have an incredible analytical and visionary ability to be able to pull enormously complex amount of information and pull it together and and bring it to something that's accessible and understandable so but they never think they are smart enough they're always scared of failing which is just a joke it's Hermione in Harry Potter (gasps) what if I fail my exam you know and she gets 10 A pluses or whatever she gets and there's one B plus and she's really devastated by that that is classic Al you fly under the radar you're very private you are as I said intellectually gifted but you don't see yourself as as clever as you are The school system was made for you. You are natural reformers. You're very focused on justice. Social justice, human justice in the light is very much an our focus. And you can walk into any organisation and you like being in structures, working with structures, be it as a model and theory that you work with or within organisations that have strong structures. But you'll walk in there and go, this could be made so much better. You're a natural reformer and you can be quite radical and quite provocative in your little way out there. You want you can't stand stupidity. Why can't people think? But you want facts, you want evidence, you want transparency, you want accountability, you want it researched, you want it done properly, you want the data. So this is great up to a point. Mm. However, ours are dismissive of the soul and heart realms. They're not good at navigating emotional conflict. They like to keep a sense of distance and stay in their heads, stay in their minds. They overanalyze and like to think. And so dealing with emotional conflict, you can't always, well, you can't solve emotional relationship issues and soul issues of soul sickness of my life isn't aligned to my purpose, soul sickness of I'm in the wrong place. The problem solving that beavers and owls will bring to that dilemma 
if you can't connect with soul, you can't solve them. It can't be just done cognitively and behaviorally. We actually have to get to the realm of feeling. We have to get to emotional intelligence and mystical intelligence. And when owls are in child, they cut off that part and nothing's valid unless I've got the evidence and the research to show it. Unfortunately, as Einstein knew, so much that is important can't be counted. And just because you can count it doesn't make it important. So they want to measure things. They want to make sure they protect themselves from looking stupid, having public humiliation and being excommunicated, you know, from a university or whatever. Excommunicated as you, to shame yourself intellectually is a deepest fear, I would suggest, for, for ours, Erica. Yes. And in child, they can be supremely judgmental and condescending intellectually superior and they use very advanced language to put people down don't they they use the most complicated terms they can come up with to seem like they've won the argument and they know what they're talking about you take an owl to a difficult situation personally they don't know themselves very well Mm -hmm. they they know their subject know thyself absolutely a plus hours you like an a plus because you're only as good as your last mark and they can be students forever, and that's fine. Go for it. They're curious. They love to learn. They're born to learn. But when you start going to emotional areas or spiritual areas or even raven areas that they are not comfortable in because ravens match them intellectually but from a completely different standpoint of intelligence, they cross over. There's like a Venn diagram where there's a crossover point. But where ravens will want to go, that feels unsafe for ours. So then they will want to come and debate because they've They love debating and arguing, but from an intellectual perspective. And then they will start to use extremely elitist language and complicated language to make the other feel less than, to cover for the fact that they're feeling emotionally out of their depth and that where we are travelling to is where they are going to get a D minus and they're going to look stupid. And so they'll bring it back to, I want want to argue this theory because it's distant, it's remote from me. So it's quite a journey for ours to have to come and know thyself it's a brilliant archetype like it really is brilliant and there's social justice reform vision ability the strategic ability like it's just wonderful i've always said to you erica my greatest curse is that i am not an owl my greatest mm-hmm. blessing is that i'm not an owl because if i had been an owl i would have written this language very differently mm-hmm. it would have been far more elitist and so far less accessible to people but owls dismiss me and my work not all of them, many love it. Many absolutely love it, but it depends on their persona mix. But there are others who just write it off because it's just, it feels too far-fetched, too threatening actually unconsciously, but they can't, they're not even aware that it's threatening. They just want to put me in my place and dismiss it because it's not a legitimate form of what they've come from. Yeah, I um, I have a very close friend who's a primary owl and I, I love her. I'm, I'm attracted to owls because... Yeah in my secret dream I, I look up to them immensely but we have we have this language now and I find that when she gets stuck in her intellectual elitism um, a little bit of humor goes a long way and uh, we we come up with sounds like who who are you talking about me who yeah. and, and she gets into this out and she she giggles and she goes oh yeah right right okay yeah all right They'd far rather debate an idea than go deep inside and certainly not to emotional soul issues. Like I'd like to debate and understand it fully. Can we discuss that concept again, Katie? So what was it that you meant by adult elder? I'd really like to go into that more deeply. That sounds really interesting to me. So they're going to like discussing the idea and the theory. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to feeling it, 
experiencing it. Great owls, adult owls, have got experiential wisdom. They're not just in the world of ideas and theory. They're an innate teacher. Whether they're in the teaching practice or not, they tend to lecture and teach everyone. Want to explain things as if we can't understand it and say it over and over again. Owls, you know I'm talking to you. They know. All right. Let's move on. Okay. From the sublime to the ridiculous, let me say, for very private fly under the radar owls, don't draw attention to yourself but be secretly very ambitious, here we go to peacocks who they live to have attention. I'm a star. Did you know? This is the peacock. All style, flash, pizzazz, glamour, gorgeous, beauty. Am I right, Erica? This is visible literally from when your child starts walking and talking. <laughs> they are here to charm, to dazzle, to hold center stage, to be admired. They love applause. They will put on dance shows. Peacocks just love to performing, show. And they love performing. They feel born to be the star and they want to be the star. They're, they're very charismatic. They're very charming. They're captivating. Mm. I'll do Harry Potter again. It's the Veelers when they come in in, in book four in the, in the Goblet of Fire and Ron goes, you know how I love how they walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's how a peacock walks. You know how a peacock walks. They can put a paper bag on. Oh, bloody fabulous. So there's different types of peacocks. You know, some are, there's different relationship styles of peacocks that we get into down the road. I'm just going to tease you with that peacocks. And there's performer peacocks that just love, love a show. I can be death warmed up and I have a little bit of peacock. It's my secret dream, Erica. And so I can, I am exhausted, let me tell you. Had some very big weeks, but here we are. And Katie's peacock needs to present this podcast series. I'm having a time of my life. I'm having a ball. Why? Because my peacock's going, there's a microphone. It's been recorded. Other people are going to hear. Yay. And suddenly it's like there's a switch peacocks. You know, you switch it on. I'm on. Now, this can be very odious to a lot of people. They find them shallow, us shallow, attention-seeking, ostentatious, just wanting this hedonistic five-star lifestyle, feeling like they're entitled to live as if they're in the royal court at all times. They are very pedantic and fussy. You know, um, I mentioned that I have a little brand new little granddaughter and we've been laughing about, I wonder what her personas are because, you know, you're born with them. And if it's a little peacock, well, she's going to be very fussy about what clothes she wears as soon as she can tell us. I'm not wearing that. I wouldn't wear that. I'll have that. And they can be fussy about what they eat. And cleanliness and hygiene, that's not clean. Wash it again. Do it properly. They're very perfectionist and they like things just so and they have an innate sense of style and classy, elegant, minimalist, and they know how to use colour. And this is all really great. In, in um, There's lots of versions of Peacock here. But in the dark, they've got this mask on about how great my life is and they don't like to reveal their personal struggles. No, it's all good. You know, public influencers often have peacock. People who want to be celebrities, all the celebrity reality TV stuff, it's all peacock. Peacock's been very dominant in our world, Erica, not necessarily for the better, may I say. So we want peacock journey. It's about taking off your mask that you've presented since royal court days where you went to the the ball, the Venetian ball with the gondola and all your costumes and fancy dress. It's taking off the mask. And who are you really? And because peacock's been so celebrated in our world, uh, people with peacock, especially high top three peacock, have underdeveloped their other personas because they get away with so much. They can mm -hmm. charm and captivate 
and have people wanting to be with them in the cool elite group and to hang out with them and they're natural networkers they're great at media social media they love events and hosting and they love lots of people and so they can be overly peacock and and maybe not have developed their other personas very well they they're quite intimidating to people who don't have peacock you find them really suave and sophisticated and elegant and just they seem so in place wherever they are whether it's a black tie event or a barbecue they always seem so together they're so well put together and when I'm around the peacocks whatever I decided to wear was the wrong thing bloody hell I should have worn this people follow that's why they're influencers in our world people follow them for their style because this confidence and they might not actually be beautiful but the aura of confidence that they have about how they put themselves together is very attractive and they're very envied people are envious and jealous of peacocks but also loathe them for the shallowness and making it about money and wealth and marrying well and having the lifestyle that they want people don't like that as well but underneath we envy their confidence to show their individual style in the dark they don't have an individual style they're just doing whatever the latest look is be it the kardashian look or be it whatever it is Mm. that they master that perfectly and spend a lot of money on themselves in self-care because you deserve it that is not spiritual people and they sell spirituality about self-care it's time you looked after yourself fuck off Wait till we get to Peacock. We're not, I'm not having that. That is not spirituality. That is on the verge of narcissism. Two narcissistic personalities, naturally, though only a few really are, but that sense of self-indulgence is very lying and very Peacock, the two who've lived in royal courts, of course. So, but when Peacocks find their true inner beauty, their heart beauty, they're very generous and they are uplifting and they see the potential in others and they celebrate others to have the confidence to go and be themselves whatever that style might look like be it a swan thing or a parrot thing and that's really lovely but when it's all about them and making sure that i survive in the world court it gets ugly agreed wonderful peacocks are so interesting many of them around too there's a lot in our world okay moving on all right not too fussed about messiness and cleanliness this one whereas the peacocks are let me tell you parrots are messy messy and loud yeah and really funny we are the funniest people on the planet anyone want to write in and challenge me about that i'll be right back to you so i I have parrot but we think we're hilarious we're the comedians and we're storytellers and why let the truth get in the way of good story we master exaggeration we love winging life like doing this podcast series with erica she wants it all structured from her beaver owl like we'll do this and then we'll do this we'll do this i go yeah nah can we wing it i'm not very good at i don't like having to be this is again beaver this is just natural you've got to work to your natural rhythm and your natural style people this is what you learn with your personas so the parrot loves winging it loves being thrown into a, a situation to see what they have to do loves podcasting loves talking on podcast or radio is very much a, a parrot thing loves music loves performing but they're casual you know they might have bare feet you know, and they've sort of got the hippie clothes. They're very bohemian and they share everything about themselves. Like nothing is private. It's interesting. Owls and peacocks are extremely private. You think that peacocks aren't when they go, hi, darling, how are you? You look gorgeous. You're fantastic. Oh, I love that dress. Your hair's wonderful. And then they bitch behind the backs. Oh, my God, can you believe what she did to her hair? It's so terrible. Don't go to that hairdresser. So that's a peacock thing. But they're actually private about their true vulnerabilities, even though they look like they're being vulnerable and open. They're not. 
Whereas I'll tell you what, parrots really are and they share stories, but they also get into a lot of trouble, foot and mouth disease, where they share other people's stories because it's such a juicy story and it's so entertaining and wouldn't you want to hear it? So I, you learn this the hard way. So unreliable, spontaneous, very they genuinely are funny, great one-liners, you know, stand-up comedians and anyone who's got parrot, our genuine aim is to be the funniest person in the room. You know, in all the years I've done this work, decades, Erica, there's a, a compliment that was given to me, which I hold probably just about the most dear to my heart. And I was working with this very prestigious law firm and teaching them the archetypes so they could understand the culture in their, in their business. And so I came and did them, did the personas as the archetypes as I did then. And people came up and said, that was the best comedic show I've ever been to in my life. And they thought I was, I was brought there to be a stand-up comedian. That was the greatest compliment I've ever, ever had. I was very funny. I was very on because I knew I was dealing with lawyers, really wealthy lion lawyers and beaver owls. And I did a show about, if you like, I mean, I just did a workshop presentation of who they were and the office dynamics and the different personalities. But I exampled it and I showed it and I did funny one-liners about how fucked they are. And I swore a bit because parents, have you noticed? They like to swear. So if I'm going to be authentic, people, I have to. If I don't, I'm pretending to be something I'm not because it's a great word to describe things. It just cuts through things. That's what a parrot thinks. Those without parrot are highly allergic to parrots and how they are. But we like to put on a show, but we like to entertain, but we also want to bring people together with stories, sharing. We'll talk a lot about our dark times and how much we've struggled and the terrible, embarrassing mistakes we've had and what that does, it unites people and makes us feel, oh, it's not just me. We've all done this. So they're great at that and they love everyone. They're the very, very tolerant persona. Like all the outcasts are welcome. Diversity is celebrated with parrot. And they they love traveling and meeting yeah. new people, but their communities are incredibly important to them. They create communities. Like I'm trying to create a community. I am creating a community here of people who share this language, but we're also totally different, but we're all welcome and it's safe for everyone. Every parrot, whatever their particular interests are, they can't help but try and create community and welcome everyone in. That's an innate thing, which I think we need in our world at this time. Absolutely. And they couldn't care less about material things. No and success they love sitting around the campfire playing the guitar and overindulging and something yeah highly addictive um, personalities but they do love overindulging going getting free freedom freedom so i can go and explore other realms and talk about the meaning of life and they actually can have a lot of wisdom but if they're too in all personas can be addictive they've all got their addictions could be a mental one, a workaholic one, sex one. It could be anything. I'm not just talking parrot here, but parrots have an all or nothing personality, as do lions, and so they can get stuck um, there in just escaping because they find the rat race, Western world, beaver world, they just haven't fitted, and that's mm. why they were always travellers. So in their history, they were the Roma people. They were travelling and performing and doing plays and singing and putting on shows, and they were always travelling and performing. Belonging everywhere and nowhere is very much the essence of parrot. Mm. And it's very 1960s flower power people. Yeah, nice. I love parrots. I've got parrot and sex. Yeah. As I say, people are very allergic to the ones they don't have. So non-parrots, parrots can find them so loud and like talking about themselves in that way, but they can't compete with the parrot's humour. And so people can feel quite inadequate because they can throw out the one-liners. You get a couple of parrots in a room together. They're, they're competitive about being the funniest. That's actually what matters to them. And it's very entertaining. 
Can I also say that they add a real lightness to any map. If you have Parrot anywhere in your map and you have some heavier sort of hardworking, quite controlling personas like I do, having a Parrot in my map, it gives me permission to be silly and funny and, and dance and, you know, socialize. It's, it's a real um, permission to relax, really. It's, it is, and it's about very deep, um, connection with people they want deep and meaningful heart and soul connection with people so that helps more serious personas and who might be more in their heads or more about achievement and literal out you know assets etc quests it helps them make the feminine heart and soul more of a priority so I'm very grateful to have parrot because I think it makes how I communicate this language more accessible I think so too moving um, on yeah so we've got nightingale next and that makes me immediately think of Florence Nightingale is that about right yeah 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 Nightingales are beautiful sensitive souls we talk about them being melancholy so they've experienced depression they've experienced sadness they've experienced often chronic long-term illnesses that western medicine can't solve nightingales have been at the forefront in history of always going to where the wars were where the crises were where the sickness were was in in villages and they're the, the nurse, the carer, the one who sits with those who are dying, who are sick, who they've died many times because they've been working with the plague. They've been in the ditches of World War One, and they've been the, the nurses there. So it's definitely connected to nursing and to stages of life, um, the end of life, hospice work, mm. to the beginning of life, midwifery, to crisis times in life illness tragedies difficult they're natural born healers with artistic gifts and there's a deep poet inside of a nightingale great sensitivity who often find that this world is just too harsh and they're exhausted and i think they have emotional intelligence above and beyond um, the other personas most of the other personas and they do find they crash so they physically are not strong but emotionally their capacity to sit with their vulnerabilities to go to the dark night, to the soul, to find wisdom. They can't do and live life the way we're told we should, which is do, climb the pole, keep going up the ladder, add this, do this, turn up every day. If nightingales don't honour what their heart and soul is about, they physically crash. So they'll have an illness, they'll have another episode and people get very cross with them and frustrated to the max that they're, oh, there she is. It's like overindulgent, wallowing, or he is, you know, they can't cope. I have nightingale as my core. And if I do the wrong thing, my nightingale, she crashes. I say it's like I fall down at the bottom of the cage and my legs are in the air. And all my other personas are saying, come on, I've got to do this. I've got to charge ahead. My nightingale rules the roost. Get it right for her or I don't move anywhere. We can spend a lot of our time, nightingales, not connected to the world and just saying it's too harsh, I can't do it, I've carried too much through, you know, the history of the Nightingale. Being there at all the crisis pain points, it's like we carry the pain of history that people have had that's unresolved. And so we have particular weaknesses that is fated to us where our bodies crash at certain ways or it could be depression, the ongoing long-term struggles health-wise, and yet, in the dark nights of the soul, in those illness things, which I had 35 years worth, 30 years worth, really extreme chronic illness that no one could fix, very debilitating, which I've come through by myself mostly, though it's still there and I have to monitor it all the time. Um, there's the wisdom. 
when you learn there's places there that are important. So I always say where your fate lies, there lies your destiny. Where your pain lies, there's the cure for the pain, as Rumi said. And the jewels of life are there. So they can be very wise healers and they're incredibly unconditionally loving and people will come and confess the worst that they've done in their life. It's like you are the, the minister, the pastor of times gone by where I can come and confess my sins. And they're like an angel, the nightingale, incredibly loving, incredibly empathetic, compassionate and understanding because they have lived with people's pain. We carry the collective's pain and are trying to move from pain Sorrow is not the meaning of life. We need to move from sorrow to joy, from pain to love, to transmute pain into love. And we can get stuck in the pain. And that's very hard to live with for others as well. I bet. Yeah. When um when I think of nightingales, I think of I think of people you just automatically feel safe with. People yeah. that you automatically you want to embrace them and you want to include them in your group. You you invite them out to dinner, you invite them to parties, and they say, Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then they never they come. No, it often feels too much because we don't know how we're going to feel on the day. And it's like they're very introverted. And so I, my energy can't take it on. And they also are very empathic in that they pick up other people's energies very quickly. So what we're carrying, what we experience on those intangible levels, most people have no clue about this. Their radar is not tuned into this, but it wipes us out. It literally wipes us out. And so oftentimes they do not turn up having said they would. And people, again, that's why I call them melancholy vanishes. They're not present, but if they're not present for themselves, they if they give up on love, they're very much about the big love. If they give up on love, give up on their studies, give up on, on their artistic gifts, which they drop straight away when they're in crash mode. You don't have a choice. You have to be an angel messenger of hope and love. You can't be a messenger of how much you hate being here and life's too hard and I can't cope. That's being stuck in child nightingales, make no mistake. And can I just also say that um, this is a whole different podcast and there's more writings on this, but you actually say, Katie, that we are in nightingale times, that nightingale is the one out of the 10 archetypes that is absolutely crucial in these times. It is. It is. It's transmuting all the pain of the out-of-balance patriarchal masculine abuses we've had. And who do we go to when we're most broken? We go to nightingales and then we shame them for being physically broken because they've had to carry too much emotionally and spiritually. For everyone, forever. That's what the point is. And yet learning how to come from a place like we talked about dog, who doesn't do the depth stuff but has that unconditional love, the nightingale has a similar energy but goes to a, a far greater depth on a soul love and being able to sit with people's pain is no issue. And we need that now. We actually need to move from being in PTSD trauma from the last 4,000 years to a place where we're starting to heal so we can move on in a new way. And nightingales are healers. Wonderful. Let's move on to the final bird. It's a little bird, but it's a high-energy package. It's a high energy package and there's a lot of them. They are delightful. We're talking about sparrows, fast energy, jumping from here to there, here to there, brilliant imaginations, quite delightful, very playful, eternally young at heart. They're like Peter Pan and Wendy, love to play. They can love working with animals and young kids or be carers and working and loving people. They have quirky styles, individual styles, you know, where they'll put themselves together in patterns and colours and they can be artists and their art can be amazing. Like there's a real creative brilliance here in sparrows. We've got to know this. But they can feel 
Like dogs can be codependent. This is the other very codependent persona. So they can feel that forever like their little kid to haven't grown up and they're looking for that strong person to catch a ride with, that strong person who will parent and guide their life and they can mold very chameleon. I can, I can make myself into whatever you like and they can believe they're all the personas, Erica, because mm-hmm. when they're around the persona, they can morph themselves into being a bit like it and then they go, I think I've got this one. And sparrows will do the quiz again and again and again and again and they'll think they found what their map is and then they go I just don't know now do you think it is that I'm thinking maybe it is maybe I'm this one I'm going to do the quiz again yeah I'm going to do the quiz again and so they get stuck in the beginner stages where which is an unconscious way of avoiding doing the deeper work of facing the self-sabotaging stuff it's like I just like the play stuff I like the light stuff I like the fun stuff and I like talking about this and I like doing my affirmations. And I believe if I just put it out there, I can have abundance and I can have my soulmate and I can have a life path and a creative business that I love myself. And there is a place for having a positive mindset. Please don't get me wrong. But they like to live in a fairy tale world of positivity, which is unreal and doesn't match the real life. Um, they can be very panicking. They can get very frightened and they can have nightmares and be frightened that they're sick or other people are going to die. They've, their deepest fear is I'm going to be an orphan, have to live on my own tissues because it feels like for sparrows, they are eternal children. Mm. So, of course, if I'm a child, I can't manage the adult world, but sparrows, actually, you can. So the job of your other five personas in your map, you've got to parent your sparrow and not look to another person, a partner, a child of yours, a boss, a friend, a sibling to be your parent because that's what drives people away and does make you feel orphaned because it's too heavy and there's a constant looking outside of themselves for people to guide them and to do stuff. Should I do this? I'm not sure. Do you think I should do this? I wasn't sure. And then you'll ring up another person. Should I do that? And then you'll text another person. That inability to make decisions and lead your own life. It's core in Sparrow. There's good reasons from their history. These were children who were exploited and who were orphaned in history and never had a family to rely on. And unconsciously, they're trying to look for happy families and the perfect family and to be part of it, but to relive a childhood they never had. They were children who never had childhoods. Mm -hmm. They were children who died young. They were children who were orphans and lived in appalling condition in workhouses. So unconsciously, it's like, I don't want to have to be a grown-up. I just want to have a lovely life. And I believe those people who sell me these packages that I can have this lovely life because I just I missed out on childhood and I'm not growing up. And unfortunately, Erica, that leads to them being very badly treated and disrespected and staying in situations in all sorts of realms where they shouldn't because they go, no, 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 it's all good. I'm sure this is going to work for me. So they can have very poor, be very gullible, very poor judgment because they're hoping that person's going to rescue and save them or give them the life they crave. Because it sounds like for Sparrow, a lot of their shadow child behaviours lie in relationships and relationship management and setting expectations. And from, from experience and working in this language for the last two years, what we've found is that people with Sparrow, wherever it's present in your map, Sparrow is highly skilled at taking over. If if, if you have Sparrow and your bottom three personas, it shouldn't be so strong, really, because it's sitting below in the subconscious. But because of the, of the high level of fear and, and anxiety in a, in a triggered Sparrow, it can ambush the whole map and take uh-huh. over quite easily. It really, really does. So anxiety is a very important word. High anxiety is a very good key to sparrow if you're able to be psychic and to you know interact with the other realms which will have terrified you but then maybe you came to terms with it that sparrow 
um, working with Reiki and alternative healing energies, that's a natural ability for sparrow. Working with animals and young children, as I say, natural place to go to with sparrows. They're so imaginative. They're so delightful. But when unconsciously they're looking for others to parent them because they're not parenting themselves, the sparrow does hijack them and they can worry for their country at the Olympics. They turn tiny things into mountains and they're feisty. Mm. They can look really sweet and lovely and, and be... I love being with you and you're great and be your greatest fan because they love being fans of things and really believe in stuff, get really excited and they're very devoted to the people that they follow and they love, you know, social media or whatever. But my God, if they feel like they're being patronised and being spoken down to as a child, even though they've behaved as a child, they go off and they hurl insults and they're really angry and they do it publicly and they, they rage. So they can be hysterical, they're melodramatic, they have this high intensity and a fast energy and learning how to ground that. So we bring in the true magic of Sparrow, not the fake fairy tale pretense, I can have a lovely easy life. No, 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 no. So getting to grips with your Sparrow in your map, wherever it is, literally transforms everything. Mm. And it's all about how you parent that Sparrow and make sure it doesn't go off and hijack because if a Sparrow is driving, you're likely to get lost and have a crash fairly soon in mm. child. And I found, I'm going to be quite honest here, I have i don't have Sparrow in my map. And like you explained, we were often triggered most by, by personas we don't have. And in the past, I've always really struggled with people. To, to be perfectly honest, I've been quite envious of the light of the Sparrow, yes. of how easygoing they are, of how loving they are, how you know, how quickly they'll jump up and dance at a party, whereas I'll wait, thank you, until it's really dark or I've had a few drinks. You know, sparrows have such a joy. A love of life, a love of life and capacity for joy that no one else has, Erica. Yeah, and they often, I think, often when they read about sparrow the way, um, in the way of the archetypes, they they feel like somehow they've landed with a broken persona that that ambushes them and is anxious and is hysterical but I think I think that's because the world has been modeled in in Sparrow Child for a long time we see this behavior encouraged and celebrated on celebrity on you know reality tv shows that Sparrow Child has been deemed you know appropriate for especially young girls and and women to be speaking like that because then some some big strong masculine will come in and save the day and i think i think sparrows now have the opportunity to rewrite their their own history and their own you know their own lives from from the light side i you know i i would celebrate sparrow really highly if i Absolutely. had a my husband is sparrow too and so it's really interesting i don't have sparrow it's great. It's every, in our relationships, there's nothing that's accidental. It took us a while to find out it was as high as that. But it's so delightful. He's so creative and imaginative and he is grounded with his other, other personas. And it, it is delightful and I sit in awe of their capacity for gratitude, for joy, for playfulness. So in the light, they're the quintessential light child, which is the pinnacle of our development. We hurt child, adolescence, adult elder but with the elder lies like child the Dalai Lama has both Einstein had both their elders with the light child you need light child and sparrows you came to teach us light child but you don't get to light child until you've parented yourself and when you do my god the contributions you make it, we really need your light in our world because it's been pretty bloody full of pain 
and darkness and cynicism and things that are just not natural. You are so naturally innocent, but you, you have to shed some of your naivety for us to be able to get to your gifts and your uh, the talents that you have. You've got to have wisdom as well. You just can't stay the little kid who just is waiting for someone to save you and fix you and, and make life. We, we need all your other personas to come in. And then your sparrow adds this amazing magical touch to what mm -hmm. it is that you come to bring. And it's so welcome. It's so welcome. Again, the birds are where we fly from. The animals make up the tripods of, of how we how we do things, how we get places where we need to go. But our, our strongest bird provides the direction, right? Absolutely. That's really the area, the what we're about and where we want to go is that strongest bird. And then your other birds coming in with their talents to help get to that direction. It's really, really helpful to know. So we want to fly, but we want to fly in the right direction. And we want to fly doing what we love and we're innately good at. And we want to bring our genius through. That's what this language is here to try and help you to do. I love that. All right. Well, again, you will find lots of free resources on the website, katiedentod.com. You'll find a store with downloadable podcasts. There's an hour our podcast done on each and every one of the personas. There is a user guide to humans book that's been written, uh, which has got, oh, actually, sorry, there's two <laughs> in a series of four. So there's two more to come. Um, there's also lots of videos on our Facebook page. We warmly invite everyone to come and join our persona archetypes community on Facebook. Community is, is one of the values here at Katie and Todd. When you learn to speak this language and you find other people, to communicate with and using these terms, using sparrow child, using, you know, owl elder, you'll, you'll feel so seen and you'll feel so connected to, to people, uh, even online. Um, it's a really beautiful place to be. It is. It is. We get to a depth and honesty and intimacy straight away when you are with others of this community, because we've just learned this because We've learned to accept our shadow. We know that we're lovable with our shadows and that we've all got our shadows. And so the depth of connection, which I think is another core value for us here, but that the world is needing. We need to move from distance and separation to deep inner connection and then connection with community. This language is, is the bridge for us to be able to do that. Thank you, Erica, for being here with me. It's so much easier and nicer to talk about it together. We have another couple of podcasts to come. Thank you all for being here to learn about the birds. Thank you.